Before I start, I wanted to tell you about something that hap- funny that happened to me on the bus the other day. I, I was on the bus, and there was a, a Chinese guy and a Jewish guy. He was Jewish like me on the, there on the bus. And the, the Jewish guy went over to the Chinese fellow, and he hit him right in the head. And the Chinese guy says, why would you do that for he says, well, that was, for the, that was for the bombing of Pearl Harbor. He says, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, I'm Chinese. That was the Japanese. So the Jewish guy said, Chinese, Japanese, the same thing. Then the Chinese guy went over, hit the Jewish guy right in the head. The Jewish guy said, what would you do that for? The Chinese guy says, that was for the, that was for the sinking of the Titanic. He says, the sinking of the Titanic, I'm Jewish, we have nothing to do with the sinking of the Titanic, that was sunk by an iceberg. So the Chinese guy says, iceberg, Goldberg, Steinberg, sinking. Anyway, moving right along, at least I made Jonathan laugh, I think that's the first time, right? So we're moving to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 1. So I'm going to start reading from verse 1. Am I not, again, this is Paul speaking, who wrote the book of Corinthians. And here's what Paul has to say Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus, our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And do you know that's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible? Because what is he saying? Remember, he's talking to the Corinthian church. Up to now, he's accused them of being worldly, immature. He says, you're a bunch of hypocrites. In the meantime, you know, the Corinthian church didn't like him too much. They didn't think too much of him. They said, you're weak, you're a weak minister, you're a lousy preacher. They didn't accept him as an apostle. And you know what Paul said? You don't accept me as an apostle. There's proof of my authority as an apostle. And you know what he said that was? He said, it's you. It's the church of Corinth. The same church that he had called lazy, a bunch of, a bunch of bums pretty much. Hypocrites, people in compromise. He says, you're just immature, milk-drinking babies. But yet, when it came down to it, when they confronted him and said, you're not a real apostle, you you stink as a preacher. You don't know what you're doing. Paul said to to those same people, he said, you are the proof 
of my authority. You are, you are a proof of, of my lead, of my leadership. In, in 2 Corinthians 3, speaking to the same people, verse 2, he said, You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a, a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. To me, that's powerful, that the same people who called him a good-for-nothing preacher, they said, we don't accept your authority. You're not an apostle. You're weak. To those same people, he responded and said, you are the proof of my authority. And do you know that that's how, that's how God looks at you? That even in your immaturity, in your weakness, in your mess, in your failure, God looks at you and says, you are the proof that I'm God. See, if, it, if I was Paul, I'd say, I don't even know these people. Why, are you calling me a bum? You're saying I'm a lousy preacher? You don't listen to anything I say? I, I'm going to write you off. Isn't that what a lot of ministers do? If somebody makes trouble, they don't grow up fast enough, they mark you and write you off. That's not the heart of God, and that's not the heart of a true minister. Do you know, as God looks at you right now, even though you're, maybe you brought a big mess with you today, Maybe in this week you've been failing, you've been missing the mark, you've been one of these immature crybabies that Paul's talking about. And even in that, even in that failure, in that babyhood, do you know that God is pleased with you, that he loves you, he accepts you in the midst of it? I want to read you a quote. Pastor George is always coming up with quotes. So I got one here from, from one of my favorite ministers, probably in terms of international ministers, the one who's had the biggest impact on my, on my life, Mike Bickle. And this is what he says. The Father heart of God was thrilled with me, an immature, mess-making, spiritual infant. My heavenly Father was enjoying me while I was yet in the process of maturing, not sighing in disgust and waiting impatiently until I grew up. He loved and longed for me. He felt proud and was excited over me, even while I was falling short. Isn't that good news? I don't know about you, but that's good news for for me. Because you... I act just as much of a baby sometime as any one of you. You could ask my wife if you don't believe me. There are times that I fall short and I feel like a failure. There's times I feel like I don't want to pray. I don't want to come close to God. But yet, what is Paul saying? In your immaturity, in the middle of your mess, I'm proud of you. I'm proud to say that I, my hand was on you. I'm proud to say that I had something to do with you being Christian. Do you know that that's the way that God looks at you? 
that God's arms are wide open even, even when you fall flat on your face. That's such a beautiful picture to me. So if you're here today and you feel like, like you've messed up and God's not pleased with you, do you know that He enjoys you even in the process of your growing up? Just as you have kids, they mess up, they, they fall, and in the midst of it, you still love them. Do you know that that's how God sees you, how He looks at you? That He's proud of you because you won't give up. Because you came back one more Sunday to worship Him. Even though you've been going through it, you don't feel worthy. But He's proud to call you His son. He's proud to call you His daughter. He is not ashamed of you. Don't be ashamed of who you are. I, I just right now in the spirit, I break off that spirit of rejection off you. I, I remove all shame from you right now in Jesus' name. And I just release the Father heart of God over you, that you are the beloved. You are accepted in Him by the, by the Father. Even in your mess, in the, in the midst of, of falling far short of what you should have done. Maybe some of you, you, you didn't pray one day this week. You didn't even open your Bible. You forgot about God. And He hasn't turned His back on you. And because Paul had that same heart. See, he, this is showing us what a true minister is. Any of you, you want to be a leader? You want to be a minister? You want to be a pastor? This is the heart you have to have. You could call me names. You could walk all over me. You could stomp on my head. But I love you. you can't, you're not going to get rid of me. See, that, that's the love of God. You won't find that in this world. You're not going to find that in some man, some woman. That's unconditional love. And you know what unconditional love means? It means you can't get God to stop pursuing you. He's going to keep coming after your heart. Paul confronted them with their sin. He told them where they were wrong. But at the same time, he didn't do it in order to hurt them. He, he, didn't, he didn't speak those things. He didn't get rough sometimes because he hated them, because he was judging them. He did it out of love. You know, when Pastor George, he comes up here and confronts you with your sin directly without holding back, it's not because he enjoys pointing fingers at you. He does it because he passionately loves you with the love of the Father. I'm going to go down now to verse 3. Again, this is Paul speaking. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment of me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brother and Cephas? Cephas is the, um, 
named for Peter? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it was tre- while it's treading out the grain. See, what? Well, here's what Paul is telling the church. You, tr- you treat animals better than me. Because in the Old Testament law, it said that if you had an ox, don't put a muzzle on it in order to get him to stop eating all the food that's on the ground, all the grain, the corn. He, even an animal has a right to make a living. Even, he says, a soldier goes out to war. He doesn't have to pay for his own expenses. A worker is worthy of his hire. And Paul said, I didn't even take one dime from you. See, last week, Pastor George, he spoke about the rights that we have as Christians. And you know what he said? That sometimes you have to lay down your rights out of love for someone else so you don't offend someone else, so you don't cause them to trip up. Uh, Back in um, chapter 8, chapter 8 talked about if, if eating or drinking will cause someone else to fall or stumble, then even though you have the right, you don't do it. So, for example, maybe, maybe some of you, you like to have some wine with your dinner. You, you have the right. There's nothing in the Bible that says that you have to totally abstain from alcohol, even though personally I choose to. But but every one of you, you have that right as long as you don't get high, because once you get high, you start to get drunk. The Bible says that the enemy is like a roaring lion, seeing who he's going to devour. So you better be sober-minded. Because even that one night, all it takes is one casual, lazy night. You have a little too much to drink. You can totally lose your judgment and ruin your life in one second. Boom. Your life is over. Your marriage is over. Your ministry's out down the toilet. So if I'm going to talk about alcohol, I'm going to throw that in too. But at the same time, there's nothing in the Bible that says casually that you can't have some wine or, or, or something to drink. But even though you have that right, what if you're with someone who's, who was an alcoholic? Are you going to still use your right to drink, even though you might cause him to take a drink? You might tempt that person. So what is Paul saying? You have rights, but in, but more important than your rights is your love for the person next to you, is your love for your brothers and sisters. So no matter how much you, you might love that bottle of wine, you push it aside in deference to someone else's spirit, to someone else's life. And Paul here is giving us an ex- a personal example. He says, I have a right to make a living. Even an animal has a right, a soldier. Any worker has a right to make a living from the church. 
Reminds me of a job I used to work in an orange juice factory, but I got canned. You know why, Bert? I couldn't concentrate. Don't you get it? Couldn't concentrate. So you know what I did after that? I got a I got a job as a history teacher, but then I realized there's no future in it. Boy, this would be funny jokes if you got them. I don't know. You see, Paul had a right to make a living, but instead he worked at making tents. He didn't use that right. He gave it up. Why? But I I believe I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 19, which is going to show us why he chose not to. Again, he's speaking to the Corinthian church. After all, you think you are so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. You put up with it when anyone enslaves you, takes everything you have, takes advantage of you, takes control of everything, and slaps you in the face. Here's what was going on back then. There was a lot of ministers around who was taking advantage of the people of God. Using their position, using the gospel to get money. You know, money-grubbing teachers and preachers. And guess what? He, Paul opened the door. I can say it. It's no different today. How many of you have ever gone to a service? I just, God's just showing me. There's, there's ten people here that's going to give a thousand dollars a piece. Or you watch on TV. If you just send us a hundred dollars, God's going to answer that prayer. Uh, some guy, he prays on his prayer rug and cuts it into pieces, and you can have a little piece of it for a hundred dollars. You know what we call that? Prostituting the gospel. Using the gospel to make money for personal gain. And you know what Paul says? I'm not in any way going to be associated with those people. I have a right to make a living from what I'm doing, but don't give me a dime because I'm going to prove that there's a true church, that there are true ministers who don't care about money, who don't do it to, to, to walk all over you and to fleece the flock. And by the way, don't send these guys any money. Don't fall for those tricks. I promised my wife I wouldn't mention any names, but I just got to mention one. There's one guy on TV has a show called Success in Life. I'm telling you because you need to be warned. His name is Robert Tilton, and he's already been exposed on 2020 as a charlatan, and he promises that if you send him $1,000, God is going to give you back 10000 then there's another guy. Oh, sorry, Norm, I'm on a roll now. <laughs> another guy named Peter Popov that comes on all the time. Do you know that he was exposed on TV because he was sitting up in the front and, and calling out people's names? Oh, there's someone here named Joe, and you live on 222 Willow Street, and you're 34 years old. And it was exposed that he had a microphone in his ear, 
And his wife was feeding him the information. And the same junk was going on back then. And Paul said, I don't want your money. You know what he, he's, I'm not going to read the verse, but he said, I'd rather die than to take your money. I'm nothing like those guys. I'm a true man of God and I'm a man of purity. These people, they rip you off and you accept them. And he was going to prove no matter what it cost him. That there's a true church. Do you know that amongst all this junk that there's a true remnant? There are true leaders with the heart of God that would rather die than to, to steal your money? You know, that that's why even in this church, we should probably talk about money a lot more than we do. But we're so afraid of being associated with all this other junk going on, trying to pull the money, trying to manipulate money out of you. We, we have a, a wonderful building program where we want to expand, we want to grow, we, we need the finances, and when was the last time you heard about it? A lot of times we're hesitant. And here's a commercial next week, we're going to put envelopes so you could give into it. That was slick, right? I don't know about that bird. It's right in there. You, we haven't talked about it for months because we don't want it, we don't want in your minds for you to think of us like all these people that, that have all these slick campaigns where they pay thousands of dollars to bring in consultants to figure out how to get the money out of your pocket. That's not right. And that's what Paul is saying. You know that we'd rather just sit in this building than, than for you to think that you that we're here in order to get rich off of you? We want you to know that there is a, a pure church that just loves you. We, we don't want anything from you. And Paul is saying, just as, just as I preach to you that sometimes we have to give up our rights, I give up my right. I'm going to be a living example. I won't take a dime. And you know, that's how we need to live. We, we, need, to, we need to think of other people, even above our, ourselves. It's better to give than to receive, the Bible says. So I'm going to keep on going. I'm down to verse 19. And now I'm going to read from the Message Bible. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose-living immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. 
I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. And uh, another version, which a lot of you might know, is I'll be all things to all people that I might save some. Do you know that just in this city there are over there are over 140 languages spoken? And what is Paul saying? If we're going to reach them, we're not so much going to worry about, again, our rights and being who we want to be, but in being all things to all people, he's saying that the church has to be relevant that it's not enough to be comfortable. That you got to begin to love people who are different. And in order to reach them, a lot of times they have to do things that maybe we don't like the best. Maybe to reach young people sometimes. If you're older, maybe you don't like hip-hop, heavy metal. But if the gospel is not preached in their language, they're not going to listen. Well... When, when I go to when I go to a, a, a more um, upper crust church, you know, I, I, I go with the suit. Now, I, there's no one in the world that hates wearing a suit more than me, but I know that if I go without a suit, they're not going to listen to a word that I say in those churches. So I I meet them where they're at. I'm speaking their language. When I come out here, you see, I come out all gangster. You see, that's how I do it. That's how we roll. Bird, come and help me. I need Bird up here. I'm dying up here. He's a hard act to follow, that's for sure. <laughs> You're gangster, Gary. You're gangster. You know, speaking of, of being relevant... It's really tough. Like in my own mind, I struggle with so many definitions of the word relevant. You know, the dictionary will tell you relevant is being able to apply what you have to what's going on right now. And we're all in different situations. Some could be financial struggles. Some could be health. Some could be mental or relationships. So many different things. But, you know, at the same time, I, I have a red flag that comes up when I hear a church saying relevant. We're relevant. We're trying to be relevant. Because many times it's a cop-out for not being holy. Many times it's, you know what? We know how to do rock music. We're going to be a rock church. Or we know how to do hip-hop. We're going to be a hip-hop church. And they're so into hip-hop and rock and whatever it is that they're doing, they're missing the most important element of the church, which is God. And many times we ourselves... Young people as well as adults, children, youth, everybody. Oh, we want to go to a church that's relevant, a church that's relevant. To me, in my mind, that translates into I want to go to some place where I can keep doing my junk and nobody's going to say nothing. That's why I love Sanctuary Fellowship, because you come in here, somebody's going to say something. And what we're going to say is God's word. We're going to preach God's word regardless. And talk about relevant. You know, when you say you're being relevant, chances are you're not. You know what I'm saying? If you have to say that you're relevant, it's because you're not. You want people to believe you are. So, you know, I'm saying this as a warning. Pastor Gary probably expected me to say something different. But this is as a warning. When someone's telling you that they're relevant, oh, I want to go to a place that's really relevant. That means I want to go to a place that fits my comfort zone and doesn't shake me. I could just slip, slip in the back, chill out. Larry, don't worry. I ain't going to tell you nothing. You keep doing what you're doing. And that's relevant? No, that's a cop-out. 
That's a cop out. Now, you, how do you be relevant? Being yourself is being relevant. We used to have a ministry back in the days, and, and part of it was just like them. That was part of the ministry called just like them. And people just couldn't understand what that meant. That meant we, as a body of Christ, as Christians, will go to the basketball park and play ball with the people. That's it. We're not handing out tracks. We're not laying hands, waving flags, or doing anything. We're just like them because we are. We're just like them. And through our actions, through our words, through our relationship with them, we show Christ. That's being relevant. That's being relevant. Many times we want to go the extra yard. He's like, yo, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to be a breakdance. I want to do hip hop. I want to play this. I want to do that. So the people will accept me as being relevant. So you're faking it to get into somebody. And now you become so relevant with them. Now you're scared to preach. You know why? Because now you're too much like them. We have to stand out. We have to stand out. Light and light are just bright. But when you bring, if your light is, is not bright enough, you come into the darkness, it's just going to overshadow you. It's like, you know, the bulb just goes out. It's like, well, I thought I turned this light on, but nothing's shining. You know, many times we're walking around with this light, but it's not, it's like not screwed in all the way. So the, the bulb is there, but no light's coming out. It's just darkness. Through our ministry, through Rap Fest and through Rap Fest Radio and through hip hop stuff, We've been relevant because, I mean, that's the way I grew up. I'm not going out and saying, I want to do hip-hop to be relevant. That's just who I am. That's part of my character. That's, that's part of what we do. So we'd go out and we'd, we'd preach. We'd minister in jails, in, uh, in shelters, in detention centers, at the beach, in the theater, in the street, in the park, in the mall, many places. Are we being relevant by doing that? To some, perhaps. But you know what? That's just a part of being relevant is being part of the culture that's going on around you. You know, we're not exempt from the situations that are going on out there. I was out of work for 14 months. What's relevant to me during those 14 months? Anybody else who's struggling can help me out. That's going to be relevant. And unfortunately, we had a lot of people here in the same situation that they were speaking words into my life that really, really helped me. But it's because they were going through the same situation. You know, when you're going through something, you can speak it so much more through your heart. I encourage you to, to go through something and go through something with Christ, with God in your heart, regardless of what it is, whether it's, like I said before, a sickness, a financial relationship. If God is in the center of it, as you talk about it, as you live through it, you will be relevant. You will be relevant. Don't force yourself into something that you're not. You know, there's, there's always that danger of, of crossing the line. Oh, I want to be so relevant that now you look awkward. You know, it's like, you know, why are you pushing so much? Like, you never wore your hat backwards before. Why are you doing it now? You know, these youth in my church, you know, got to be down with them. No. They want to see realness. We want to see. I want to see realness. Don't come fake. Don't come in fake. Be who you are. Don't change for anybody. God calls you to a relationship with him and doesn't say, okay, I want a relationship with you. Now change everything. You know, I've, I've been to those churches where they say, come as you are, but you'll change as you're here because we're going to change you. They want you to dress a certain way, Gary, with the suit and tie. You know, they want you to, to, to walk a certain way, talk a certain way, go to certain places, don't associate with certain people. That's not relevant. That's demonic, you know. But re what is what is being relevant? How can you be relevant? Be who you are. But let Christ be the center of every single thought, 
every single conversation, every single decision, every single move, every single action in your life, Christ in the center, you will be relevant to those around you because God will shelter you from all evil and he'll also direct you to those that need your type of relationship with them. Amen? Something about rhythm which compels us to move with the beat. beat. That's a track? Oh, wow. Wow. Okay, Gary, I, this wasn't planned. I'm going to be gangster if you don't mind. What does it mean to be relevant? Hmm, let me see. I can't understand. Maybe I should go to church with a mic in my hand. My back, my hat backwards, drop my pants if I can. Walk around like, yo, I'm the man. <laughs> I tell the people, if you want to get healed, stand. They'll look at you like, yeah, right. You ain't the man. Because you see, when you're fake, people can see it. But when you're truly with God, only God will believe it. But when you start to speak his words and people hear, they'll start walking closer if they're standing in the rear, standing right here so they can pray. I can now hear. I was blind, I could see. That's my God this year. A lot of people don't understand how God flows. They think, I gotta go to church because that church knows how to give a show. This ain't a show. If you think it's a show, you should go because what we're here to do is talk about the Holy Ghost. He's the one in this place that we praise. Ancient of days, from back in the days. But he's still here today. That's why these people pray every single morning. Hallelujah is the words that we say. If the track runs out, that's okay. Because I know one thing. Jesus Christ has led me the right way. Being relevant. Wow, how can we do it? Jesus Christ. Listen, stop that track for a second because I, I have a thought. And it wants to come out, but I just can't say it to the beat because I don't know what it is. <laughs> and I might get a lot of heat for this one, but that's okay. Speak, Lord. Here we go. A Christian rapper mimicking the world's secular track is the same as a pastor mimicking a person that's selling crack. You say, I ain't doing this for them to get high, but that's a lie. The only reason you try is because you're dying for people to buy. Many times we want to mimic this world, walk around saying, yeah, I'm flossing with diamonds and pearls. But it's all a lie. And you know why? Because day after day, relevant is what we try to be. But God will always see what's true within this little heart inside of me. On the outside, it might look real cool. But in the inside, you know what the word is. You're just a fool. People can see fake from a mile away. It doesn't matter how loud the hallelujah you say. You might look nice with your ride bumping the Christian music, but when the Holy Spirit starts to speak to you, oops, you refuse it. Listen, don't applaud for me. You got to applaud for him because he's the only one that relevantly can wipe away your sins, which means he'll speak to your situation right now. That's something I couldn't even do if I knew how. <laughs> you see, when he speaks, things happen. When I speak, I'm just rapping. When he's in charge, things will change. When I'm in charge, you'll stay the same. If God shines bright, I gotta be dark. But when he shines through me, I'll speak to the crackhead in the park. He gives us the strength. He gives us the power. And you don't even have to preach for a whole hour. All you have to do is know one thing. That in your life, in the focus in front, should be Christ the King. 
right to the cross, crucified but still alive. Explain that to someone that's relevant. (laughs) He might think you're trying to lie. One thing for sure is that I can't really say too much. Actually, there's no word that rhymes with much except such. But such a person like this on a mic in a church like today talking about Jesus Christ and saying that he is the way relevant, maybe it might be. I'm not forcing it. That's who I am. I'll talk about Christ anytime there's a mic in my hand. Even without the mic, you can turn it off. I'll still speak because Jesus Christ is the one that I take with me every single day of the week. Wherever I go, and whatever I do, Jesus Christ, I praise you. Let's hear it for Bird, a player from another layer right here. Uh Uh-oh. I can't follow that, so I'm going down to verse 24 now. We got to finish this up. Verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way so as to get the prize. Everyone who competes into the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I will myself not be disqualified for the prize. See, Paul is comparing life first to a race where you got to keep going, you got to endure, no matter what comes against you. And he also is comparing it to a fight. Now, as we heard this morning, there's a place in the Lord where he fights for you. There's a place in God where you can just rest. But what is Paul saying? There is another place as a Christian. There's another, there's another place as, with God where you got to persevere. He says, I beat my body. He's not talking about those guys that cut themselves. You don't have to hurt yourself. The world will do it for you. You don't have to beat yourself up. There's plenty of people around who will help you out in that. What is he saying? If there's anything in me that will cause me to stumble or fall, I'm going to give it up. I'm going to die to it. Nothing is going to disqualify me. You see, Paul says that we got to contend for the faith, that we got to keep on fighting, we got to keep on going no matter what comes your way, whatever life throws at you, whatever comes against you, you got to keep on, keep on keeping it on. See, there are times when the Bible says that we're pressed in on every side. There are times, Paul himself, he said, I've been struck down.
But he said, but I'm not destroyed. And then when he struck down, you get up and you keep on going. See, that's what Christianity is all about. I'm telling you right now, it's a struggle. It's a fight. But we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. There's an enemy that's trying to stop you. There are drives within you that are trying to get you to give up on God. There's something in you that wants you to be comfortable. But you keep pressing. You keep coming back. And when you get knocked down, you don't give up. Because God in you is greater than the enemy. And, and see, that's what, I, that's what I want to leave you with today. There's no place in being a Christian for just saying, well, I just want to be comfortable. I'm just going to show up in church on Sundays. I'm just going to give up. Show them what happens when you give up. You're going to get pummeled and beat up. <laughs> Amen. Let's have a big hand. Anyway. You see, if you're looking for an easy Christianity, if you're looking for a message that you receive Jesus and He does all the work, you come to church Sunday and the rest is okay, that, Paul is saying that's a, that stuff, that's messed up. Then you're like a boxer that just fights the air. You're just fighting a miss. You're aimless. What Paul is saying is, I'm strategic in my life. I keep pressing on. Problems could come. The enemy could come. I'm not going to give up. I'll fight anything that comes my way. I don't care how bad the obstacle. I don't care if I get struck down. You know, I've been struck down as a Christian. Again and again. And you just keep getting up. You keep on fighting. You keep wrestling. And more than anything else, you keep loving. Because the fight is not against your wife or your husband. It's not against your boss or your neighbor. You're fighting the enemy. You're fighting those things in you that, that, that hate the Christian life. Just wants you to go out, get drunk, have fun, sleep around. You gotta fight it. You gotta keep on wrestling. It's like a race. You gotta keep going till the end. See, that's what I'm believing for this church. I'm believing for every one of you that when I, next, this time, next year, that every one of you is still gonna be serving God. You're not gonna decide that, oh, this is too hard. This is too much. I don't think I believe all this stuff. This isn't for me. I'm going to give up. I'm believing God that every one of you is going to finish your race. You're going to make it to the end. And you're not going to be disqualified by giving in to those things in you that are trying to get you to rebel against God, to turn back.
So I'm going to ask for the worship team to come. song you love, you know, one thing remains. And as I come, I, I just want to ask today, if you're here and you're saying the battle's been hard, it's been a fight, it's been a struggle, but I'm not going to quit. I'm going to make it to the end. I'm going to keep running. I'm going to persevere because it's not you that's fighting. It's Jesus that fights through you. It's supernatural battling. Do you know the Bible says that just one of you can put a, can put a thousand to flight? If that's you, if you're saying, I've been, I've been wounded, I got knives in my back, I've been hurt, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to ask you to stand right now as a sign to God. I'm not going to be like those who quit, who walk away. That's easy. Anybody could do that. Don't listen to those lies that say Christianity is just for those soft, weak people. You gotta be tough. You could be 90 years old and you could have all the strength and toughness of God. You could battle that sickness, that cancer, that angry husband or wife. Again, we don't battle in the flesh. We're not fighting the people. We're warring in the spirit. We don't fight each other. What did Paul say? We love. When others hate, we love. They called them names. They said, you're the worst preacher we ever saw. You're a fake. You're not a real apostle. And what? how did Paul respond? He said, I love you. I accept you. That needs to be the way that we live. We have to become unoffendable. And maybe there's some of you here today, you're making a commitment, a new commitment to God. Maybe that you've been backing off. Maybe the enemy's been trying to get you to stop. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to join me up here right now. If you're tough enough, you're not going to be ashamed to walk up here. Only the real warriors are going to respond to this one. Only those who are willing to be strong in the battle. You see, most Christians won't respond to any call because they're afraid someone might see them. Those aren't the guys I'm talking about today. I'm talking about those who say, I won't stop. I won't quit. I don't care who sees me. I'm not ashamed. I'm in it to the end. How many of you, you're in it to the end? How, how many of you, you're going all the way? 
back then they had the Greek Olympics. And if you won the fight, you won the race, they gave you this cheap ghetto crown made out of grass to put it on your head. We're going for something greater. We're going for the glory. We're going for eternity. We're going for souls. Joshua and his team to come. And just begin, let's just begin to minister life over all those who have responded. We're going to stand with them right